Hey lovelies, before we get started, I wanted to remind you of all the different ways you can get your hands on one of my designs. Impact Fashion is a line of size-inclusive, modest clothing available in sizes 2 through 28. I personally design and pattern every single piece in the collection so that it is fitted to perfection and every single piece runs the same. That means that once you know your size, that is your size in every single piece in the collection. Pretty cool, no? You could shop the collection online at impactfashionnyc.com. Shipping is totally free in the U.S. and the return policy is, if I do say so myself, better than Amazon. You have 30 days to make a decision and don't even have to pay return shipping or any sort of annoying restocking fee. Impact Fashion can also be found at the address at American Dream Mall. The address is a curated, modest department store and definitely worth a visit if you are not an online shopping type of person. The American Dream Mall is located right next to the Meadowlands Sports Complex in New Jersey, and to get to the address, you're going to want to park in Lot C, Level 3. Make a left when you walk in, and you'll see the address on your right. I'm always happy to chat, whether that's to answer your sizing questions or just get to know each other better. Find me on Instagram and TikTok at impact.fashion.nyc or on WhatsApp status at 516-953-9391. You can also email me. It's rifky, R-I-V-K-Y, at impactfashionnyc.com. One other thing before we get started. We go through a couple of words and phrases here that not everybody will understand. So let me give you a quick glossary. The main topic of this episode is tsnias, which roughly translates to modesty. Someone who is a tsanua is someone who is considered modest, so a modest person. We talk a lot about the difference between tsnias as a mitzvah, as a commandment in the Torah, and as a midah, which is a character trait. So a commandment would be do not steal, that would be a mitzvah, where a character trait would be patient, let's say, that would be a midah. Halacha is Jewish law. These are just the rules that we follow in our day-to-day life. Hashkafa roughly translates to Jewish philosophy. It's more of the reasonings for why we do things. It's also just the thoughts and feelings behind a lot of our actions. Tanakh is an acronym in Hebrew for Torah Nevi'im Kesuvim. It roughly tra- it, it 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 encompasses all of the books basically that we use in our Torah, um, and Tanakh is just referring to like the biblical text. So if we when we talk about a story in Tanakh, it's just a story that happens could be any time from Abraham all the way to you know more recent times. Navi is that. Nun, that nach sound in that Tanakh, uh, it refers to a time um, around when the Jews uh, arrived in um, the land of Israel after Mitzrayim. And Chazal is another acronym. It stands for Chachamim Zichronim Levracha. That Ches Zion Lamed sound makes Chazal. And it's kind of just generally used to refer to our rabbis from a specific time period. I'll be honest. I'm not sure exactly what that time period is, but it's just our rabbis a long time ago. From Impact Fashion, it's Be Impactful, a show about the women making a difference in their own corners of the world. I'm Rick Yitzwitz, and on today's show, I sit down with the author of Reclaiming Dignity to discuss Sneas. She shares the importance of having women's voices, experiences, and Torah wisdom in the book, how society plays a role in what values get passed on in Sneas education, and the problem with putting so much emphasis on clothing. Nobody 
wants to talk about Sneas. That's what Brecha Polikoff was up against when she set out to provide a mature and adult perspective on probably the mitzvah most from women have the most trauma around. Her book, Reclaiming Dignity, is a refreshing take on everyone's least favorite topic. As a little kid, um, I was very creative. Um, I like to think I'm still creative, but I think as a kid I was even more creative. Um, I would get like all these ideas and plans, and I was also an oldest, so I was very bossy. Um, we call it now leadership skills, <laughs> but, but you know, at that time we just called it bossy because it was, you know, the 90s. Um, and so I used to get everybody on board with all my crazy ideas. Um, like I remember when I was little, I, I must have been like, I want to say like seven even. Um, I heard about this like orphanage in Israel and I was like, I'm going to make a whole sale and I'm going to raise money and send it to Israel. Like these were like things like I used to do just like as a little kid, like I would get these ideas and then get everybody else in the neighborhood on board and go around collecting stuff for my sale. Or we had like all these different clubs at some point in elementary school, we had a newsletter club, like a whole club with a newsletter. We used to make it every week. Like, so very like, um, I don't know, creative, um, a lot of different ideas, interests. Um, that's that's still something I I am today. Still like have a lot of interest. I yeah, I could see that as being something that kind of really carries through. You what what do you do now? Like what did you end up? What what's your full time job? So every day is another story. Sometimes I feel like um that guy from Mary Poppins, you know Bert, mm-hmm. in different jobs. Um, but my my main job is I'm a social worker. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. And I have a small business, so I provide continuing education for mental health professionals, social workers, so trainings, things like that. Um, so definitely like more on the education side of the social work field. Um, but every year it's like another thing. Like I just always have different ideas and interests. So like last year I was a professor for a year, sociology, like um, at a local high school here. We had a, we have college courses. Um, every Really every year it's different. Now I'm an author, so... And now you're an author. And I'm so glad that you brought that up because you and I got connected through through your book, um, yeah. which is Reclaiming Dignity, the um, a guide to sneas for men and women. Um, and sneas roughly translates to modesty. And we're going to leave that terrible definition <laughs> as is. Um, you and I, I, I want to tell the story of, of how we got to know each other and became connected. Mm-hmm. I want to say it was maybe like two years ago, somewhere in that range. Yeah. You reached out and you said, listen, you know, I know that you're involved in the in the modest fashion space and everything. And I'm working on this book. And I think that you would really like to be a part of it. This was, you know, the, the wonderful pitch email that you sent to me. And you sent me the introduction to the book. And you said, you know, I'm working on this book about SNES. And would, you know, would you or Impact Fashion like to be involved? I don't know if you were looking for like, because the, the first half of the book is essays. And the second half is the halacha, the Jewish law aspect. Um I don't know if you wanted me to write an essay or like to be involved in a sponsorship way or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly, but we I didn't really get either. that far. <laughs> like a while we didn't ago. really get that far because what I do yeah. remember is that you sent me this email and it was wonderfully written and everything. And I was like, oh, maybe this could be something that I would be interested in. Attached to the email was the introduction or maybe the first couple chapters of the book. And I read them and I thought, this seems great. Like this seems like a book that I would really want to read. And also... There's absolutely no way in hell that I'm going to be involved on a CS book. I, I just, do remember that part of the conversation. <laughs> yeah. And I remember even just like, right, just being like this, listen, I think the way, this seems great. This, like nothing that you said here is anything that I object to, but I, I just, I can't associate impact fashion with the CS book. Like I'm, I'm just, and I really thought about it for a long time. Like I remember 
we had been, like, I remember like taking a Shabbos over it and I was actually talking to my husband about it. And I was like, there's this lady who's writing a Sneas book. And he's like, no, immediately. He was just like, he's just like, there's no way that that ends well for you. You have to just leave it. And I was like, you know what? I'm, and, and I was already leaning towards that anyways. And I was like, yeah, I just like, who knows what this book is going to be? Like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not touching it. And so, and so we parted ways. And yeah. then uh, a, a long while after that, once the book was published, you reached out again and said, you know, I have this book, it's finished. Um, you know, would you want to feature it on your podcast? And I was like, you know what? I really liked the first bit that you had sent me, but I can't have it seen this book on the show without reading it. I, I have to read the whole thing. And I was like, listen, send me a copy. I'll read it. I'll let you know. And, and you sent, and, and yeah, you sent me the copy. It's, it's not a it's not a one week read, everybody. Right, the big book. So you sent me this copy, and then I'll be honest. When the book showed up, I was a little bit annoyed because I was like, "Darn it! Now I have to read this thing." Like right. I told her that I would read it. <laughs> this is not the kind of book that I'm going to find the Cliff Notes versions for. Now I have to read the whole thing. And what the funniest part about reading it was that so I started reading it, and I liked it. Like I was getting into it. I was, you know, the 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 first the structure of the book, which we'll go into later, is that the first is basically per the first half is basically personal essays, and then the second half goes into the the halacha. And there there were certain personal essays that I had problems with, and others that I did not. But I was like, but I could appreciate the perspectives. But the best part is that the time when I have the in my life when I can read is really on Shabbos, and you had sent it to me before the summer. And Shabbos afternoons in the summer are very long. And I live close to my parents and my in-laws. So what we will usually do is that after nap time, especially on a long summer Shabbos, we, you know, the whole family will go on a little tour of the neighborhood. We'll stop by my in-laws first and hang out there. And then we'll stop by, uh, you know, and then we'll go to my parents and we'll hang out there. And I would bring the book with me because <laughs> I had like a little bit of quiet time. So I would bring the book with me. And so my mother-in-law would be like, oh, what are you reading? And I was like, I was like, you're not gonna believe this. It's a Sneas book. And she, and her immediate reaction was, why? Why are you reading? That? <laughs> and I told her, I was like, this lady wants to be on my podcast. I told her that I would read it. I'm reading it. I'm actually kind of liking it, but like, whatever, I'm reading it. And then I would bring, and then we would continue on our little tour to my mother's house. And my mother would be like, oh, what are you reading? Be like, oh, it's a, it's a Sneas book. And my mother would be like, why are you reading that? What? Why are you reading this book? And I told her, I was like, yeah, there's this lady. She wants to be in my book, whatever. And then my sister-in-law lives down the block from my parents. And so we would go to my sister-in-law next. And, you know, I would sit down on the couch with a book. And she would be like, oh, what are you reading? And I told her to see this book. And she would be like, really? Why? That doesn't seem like anything you should be reading. And that was like the universal reaction that everybody got. But I was like, but also, as I kept reading more and more, I was like, I'm actually enjoying it. I'm actually really enjoying it. All of this is a long-winded way of saying that I really think that reclaiming dignity is a very cool new approach to this whole thing. And I'm I'm going to start with my problems with Sneas books, and then I'm going to hand the floor back over to you, which is that I find that Sneas and discussions of Sneas also in general happen in two categories. They are either really restrictive, and I mean that in like restrictive in a way that is beyond what is normative halacha, like they present things that are community specific or like individual things that people can take on as this is what you absolutely must do. Otherwise you will burn in hell. That's one version. Um, and I don't mind being spicy. Like I'll, I'll name specific books. Like there's this book, Ozvahadar Levusha, which is, it should not be published in my opinion. It should only be published in, a, in very specific communities. I mean, the extremes that that book goes to is I think really detrimental. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so there's that category in in like the discussions of seniors or there are very apologist discussions of seniors or like at the opposite extremes it's like trying to turn sneers into something that it's not like trying to be very like just trying to like fit sneers into our like modern narrative of like I don't even I don't even see I don't want to even say feminist in a bad way because I do to a certain extent consider myself a feminist but the but but like trying to take like these ancient traditions and fit them into modern molds and it just ends up being very apologist and it just doesn't mm-hmm. work and I feel yeah, like, like in reclaiming dignity you really you you towed that line of like this is how we dress this is what we do this is why we do it but being very specific about what is and isn't actual halacha versus community specific norms and and things like that how did you start approaching this problem why did you want to write something like this and and get it out there (laughs) okay so that's a lot um i'm just like thinking about everything you just said um so first of all i just have to say like your family's response i I was just cracking up when you were speaking about that because i think that's like literally like what i was up against with this book and also how i feel personally so it's like funny it's like even though i wrote this book like I myself struggle with SNES, which is why I wrote it, um, like struggle with the idea of it and the whole concept and connecting to it. Um, but when I was, when we were working on the book, like there was a part of me that was like, I'm going to write this book and not one person is going to read it. Like exactly your response. Cause people are going to see the topic and they're going to say, what, why would you read a book on that? Like exactly how your family responded to you. Um, I just think there's like a lot of, for different reasons, we can talk about it there's a lot of this like backlash to the topic. And so people just see something on the topic and they run the other way. Um, and so I was like, either this could go really well or it could just like not go at all. Um, and I really didn't know like which way it would go. Um, and honestly, like you, your question kind of spoke to the answer also is that the reason I wanted to write something like this, I mean, there's a whole story behind it, but is really for that exact reason that you just said, that there's these two types of books you know, there's books that are, like you said, um, they're like more halachic, but geared toward a very specific segment of the community. Um, and then there's these books that are more like hashkafic, for lack of a better word. You know, they're more like what you were describing as this, like, you know, I, I don't want to say like pop psychology, but almost like that, right? Like, like trying to fit this idea, which is an old ancient, you know, idea that's part of Jewish wisdom, right? Into this like more new agey, like, um, it's hard to describe. I know you're also having a hard time finding words, but to make it like more palatable and more like fit with our, you know, 2023. Um, and I find that that second category of books, you know, a lot of times are written for people who are new to the community, who are, um, you know, Bali Chuva or converts who are really trying to like wrap their mind around this. And so the books are written in a way that's again, more palatable to like our current sensitivities. Um, but they do take, they, they're not necessarily halachic. And so I just felt like, you know, I wanted this book to be my, my like very modest, no pun intended, like um, goal with the book, which is that when you walk into a bookstore, there's another option, right? That like mm. y- you or me or someone else that doesn't identify with either one of those extremes that's somewhere in the middle, that if someone's interested in this topic, they want to learn more, whether it's like a teenager, um, the book's actually written more for adults, but I would say like a mature teen to like an adult they can walk into like a Jewish bookstore and there's a book on the shelf. They're like, oh, okay, that that makes sense. Like I can see myself reading that book um, versus how it was before, which is like, there were these books out there, but 
again, for me personally, there was, there are some good books. Um, for me personally, they didn't they didn't resonate or they didn't feel like they spoke spoke to me or where I was in the community. So um, that was really the goal was just to have another option that people walk in the store and they're like, oh, okay, cool. This is a book like like I could read. Because before that, you know, again, there were were these other books, um, and they a lot of times what I was finding, like the groups that I was in, like let's say it was a teacher or um, a community member or someone was like doing a chavrusa and they wanted to learn with a learning partner a book on this topic, the recommendations they were getting were like, well, do that book, but skip that part of it. Or do this mm. book, but like just tone it down a little bit. Or or read that book, but know it's written for a non-observant audience. Or like, it was like there was always these like qualifiers, right? There was no book that you could just give someone and be totally comfortable with it. That like they could read it and they could, make whatever conclusions they want and that it would be palatable to them and would be appropriate for a broader section of our community. So that's what I was trying to do with this book. Right. Yeah. And and I think you definitely accomplished that. And I want to talk for a minute about the format of the book because it has two very distinct sections. Um, the first half are essentially personal essays by mm-hmm. women across, I would say, the spectrum of Judaism discussing different aspects of their tzniyas. And then the back half is, which is I think I think the the back, the second part is is much longer is the actual halachic analysis. Why did you feel it was important to split up the book that way and to include those perspectives? Yeah, so originally the book was actually going I didn't really know exactly what it was going to look like. I just knew what I wanted in general. Um and when I reached out to Rabbi Anthony Manning who ended up becoming my co-author, I thought he would write like a short section at the back. <laughs> how much, how large it was going to end up being. So it ended up being like a very big piece of the book. Um, but originally, um, it was actually going to be a bigger focus on people's individual struggles and stories and that piece of it. Um, and I really think we need both parts because there was kind of two parts to it. One was I didn't want, um, and we can talk about this, you know, in general, but I didn't want it to feel like a book on Sineas written by a rabbi. Or written by a man. I'm so glad that you said that. That was that, that was, was the biggest thing that stood out to me, by the way. Yeah. Because when I think about like these very, like, uh, again, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna beat on Ozvahar de Lavusha this whole podcast, mm-hmm. and I don't even care. The um, like when I think about that book, it's a book written by a man, written by a rabbi, just like telling everybody what to do with like very little understanding of what what he's saying actually means, in my opinion, mm-hmm. in terms of like actually getting dressed and and by by doing it this way, you really accomplish that. But I cut you off. Please continue. No, no worries. Um, so yeah, I think that was like one piece of it was I wanted to make sure that women's voices and experiences were like fully um, integrated into the book. Um, and and I it was kind of ironic, and this is really like a side point, but is that really a big part of the book? And it's hard to go into it in depth now because, like you said, it's a very long book. Um, but a big part of it is is kind of separating SNES from this conception that it's all about dress and all about. Um, you know, specific aspects of women's clothing. Um, and so between me and you, like, I think a man can definitely talk about SNES because I don't think SNES is about women and their clothing. And that's the whole point of the book is that SNES is for men and women. That being said, because people have a perception about SNES being about clothing and women's bodies, when you hear a man talking about SNES before they open their mouth, before they even say, that's not what I'm talking about, Right it's like there's this visceral response. Why is a man coming here to talk to me about my, right? And so that was what I was trying to avoid with the book was I wanted to have Riley Manning's perspective because I thought it was so valuable and he has such a unique perspective on the topic, but I also didn't want it to come across as a book that was a man telling women what to do, which very much, even in his section is very much not (laughs) at all what he does. Um, And I also wanted to include women's voices, both in the 
um, so even though they're personal essays, a lot of them really add a tremendous amount to the book as far as content, not just like their personal experiences, but actual Torah, um, because there's so many women that are learning Torah, you know, at a high level nowadays and really have so much to add. So I really wanted to include, not just because I wanted not to have just a man writing the whole book, but also because I think the women included such a valuable piece to this book, not only their lived experience, but also their Torah, their wisdom. Um, and so even though in the end, we ended up having kind of split where the the the, the rabbi was doing the halacha part, and then we have women doing more of the hashkafic piece to it, their part was just as valuable, if not more. And so I wanted to make sure that we had that blend of both both of that in the book. Yeah, and I think that you really achieved that. I want to talk a little bit about some of the like tzinius concepts that you go into in the books. In my experience with with a certain type of education that I received, a lot of times when people spoke about like tzinius is not just in dress, it's also in behavior, it's also in how you carry yourself, all of which I agree is true. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times when I was being taught that, the rough translation of what was actually being said was, I need you to sit down and shut up. Mm. Like tzinius is about like, yeah is about like, you're going to be mavater, you're going to give mm-hmm. in, you're going to not be as noticeable, you're going to not be as loud, you're like, it, and and roughly translated, certainly in my teenage head, roughly translated to sit down and shut up, which I don't Same know if you've, if you've, <laughs> right, I don't know if you've yeah. gathered this, but that's not one of my strong suits. Um, not, not what I'm better known for. Well, well, what's your, what's your response to that? What do you feel about, you know, that whole area of like, sneeze and behavior is about being quieter it's about being smaller yeah so it's something I I think about a lot um I also have a much more outgoing and Mm -hmm. loud personality um so I relate to that challenge and I and I I very much bristle at like that sort of messaging and language um and I and I just kind of want to take one step back before we even talk about that I just think it's important because people say to me like oh well did you you did you go to Basiakov school? Like, is this because of the education you got around SNES that you struggle with it? You know, and I think what's really important to say, like, before we even talk about that piece of it at all, is that when I talk about like how I grew up or my education around this topic or my experience around this topic, it's not really in an educational setting. Meaning, in a lot of the schools, even like I'm sure you have this experience as well. Like, it's not like so much we had like a class on SNES. You know what I mean? It's a little bit of like a cultural piece that's kind of there. And it's not like coming, it's not like necessarily, oh, you had a teacher that came in and said X, Y, Z. But a lot of times it's coming from our peers. It's coming from like subtle messages from in, in the educational settings. It's coming from our community. And so like a lot of these messages that I personally picked up were not directly from school. Like they were from magazines, right? Articles, books, like, so, you know, and now, you know, I know we both have talked in in the past about women's pictures in magazines, right? Like these are things that were never taught. I live in Baltimore. Like nobody was ever getting up in a classroom saying like, you shouldn't have your picture in a magazine. Like that was not a message we ever got, right? Especially because in those days there were pictures of women in magazines, separate topic. Because it's only fine to have pictures uh, of women in magazines, separate topic. Right, exactly. So, so all that, like, there's just this cultural piece too, which is that these, these ideas kind of seep in. And especially as a teenager, it's confusing. You're hearing all these different things from different people. So it's not like, I don't blame my schooling, if that makes sense. Like, I'm not like, oh, well, in school, they taught us all these things. There, I'm sure there were certain things that did come in through that. But I think like the problem was created by the community and needs to be solved by the community. Like it's all the messaging. It's all the conversations. It's the things you heard from your friends that they picked up in their homes. You know what I mean? So so yes to what you said before about that messaging being about like kind of um, 
not being seen, not being heard almost like, you know, stay in the background. That's like the true Tania's person as someone who doesn't, you know, is quiet, who, you know, doesn't make any sort of, um, oh, hell. Yeah. yeah, doesn't make waves, you know, and so, which is so ironic because, you know, we're recording this during Hanukkah and think about the women in the Hanukkah stories. Right, exactly. Um, like, <laughs> and, and also, like, forget about, like, Hanukkah or whatever. Think about, like, we learned about Devorah Hanavia, right? Like, right. she she ran the whole country. And that and that was obviously considered fine because there's a whole Navi about it. Like, whatever. Right, whole, exactly. You know, a bunch exactly. of fucking or whatever. So, yeah, it's, it's weird how these, uh, like, how these things seep in. In. I just that's, I just wanted to say that like I feel like it's it's coming from a lot of places it's not like this clear message that was ever for most of us you know for some people I'm sure it was a very clear message but for a lot of us it's like this murky murky thing so for me it was actually more about so I will say this I did have a senior class it was in 10th grade and I didn't like whatever I don't really hold I don't really begrudge the teacher that much I can't really say that I learned I don't remember what she taught or whatever. I remember that like we had this booklet that we were learning from or whatever and had some great times with my friends on the back of the room. Like that's what I remember about that class. Right. Um, I also remember that she would read excerpts from Reader's Digest that <laughs> like there, there was like some some back and forth debate in the Reader's Digest about platonic male-female friendships. And we spent <laughs> a lot of time on that. That's what I do remember also. But aside from that, I think that for me, it was also about, yes, this is tied to schooling, but I hear how it's a community issue in that way where the types of girls that were always considered the good girls by like the administration let's say um or just in general just like universally regarded as like oh they're such they're 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 you know they're just the best girls were always like the very idle very quiet very like seem to embody this notion of just like being in the background that was something that I think was was it was definitely valued which again like you said is a community type thing yeah and I think also like something that really bothers me about about these examples is that so many times the things that we value are things that are literally inborn traits mm. right so it's like you know I've heard horror stories of people being called out about certain things about their body like being less sneeze and I'm like you're literally born that way like so I ha I have like red hair and I never had an issue but I've heard people who have like curly red hair being told like maybe you should straighten your hair or maybe you should you know not have such long hair like and it's just it, it's very frustrating because you know again like these are things about yourself that you can't control right like those right. of us like so so for me and you like you know we're both more outgoing naturally and and more loud and whatever so I feel like you know it, it took me till I would say like maybe my like late teens or maybe early adulthood where I realized like that this it's not a value to be a different personality type you know what right. I mean like you can't you can't put that on a pedestal and say well this personality type is better because obviously you know Hashem God created all of us with different personalities and so our goal in life is to show well how can you be a loud outgoing fun personality and serve god there's like room like if, if god created the world only for like certain personality types like the whole idea of judaism like wouldn't wouldn't work right it's like okay i guess i can't be jewish now i guess i can't be a snu'ah or i guess i can't like i just like i'm done like i was born with a different personality i was born with red hair i was you know what i mean like it's just like right. so that whole like attitude is just so i don't know troubling i guess um, so that's that's kind of part one to this. But part two is like um, one thing that I really also struggle with with those type of um, ideas of like, well, maybe Tzniyas is just being behind the scenes, being quiet, you know, and, and just kind of making yourself as small as possible. Besides the fact that like, I don't think that's a healthy message to send people, but that's, that's besides the point, is that we we only do that for women. 
right? right? So that's kind of my issue is that if we really believe that that's a value, and there are some, there is a value to sometimes not being the center of attention, not putting yourself out there in a certain way in certain times, right? But if we're only going to say that that's an issue for women, then I feel like we've really missed the ball on this because all the sources, almost almost all the sources from, you know, Tanakh, from Chazal, they're talking about this concept of being a tsnu'ah or, or this, this value of tsnias, right, as being for men and women. And so to, to come into a classroom and be telling out of one side of your mouth, you know, women, you need to make yourself smaller, you need to make yourself less out there, less, you know, um, vis- like, what's the word? Um, visible? Visible, right? And and on the other hand, we're doing the opposite. Like years ago with, with men, you know, so years ago, I wrote an article, um, it was about us in our magazines, right? And I was like, on one hand, you're telling women, we don't want to see you, we don't, we, we're happy to hear your voice, which is, I guess, good, <laughs> could be worse, right? Take we don't want to see get. you. We don't want to see your pictures. We don't want to feature you in any way. Um, but then for men, it's like the exact opposite extreme. And I say extreme because it is extreme. If you open up a From magazine nowadays, like the the pictures of men, it's like a full huge face. Like you'll the cover of the magazine, a man's face with every single little you know spot on his face showing, zoomed in, um, and like very um, sensational. Um, the ads are sensational. The the articles. It's like the there'll be a whole section on like business with people stories about men and how successful they are and putting themselves out there and self promotion right and then we're like telling the women but you can't do that so it's like it it just it's very confusing and it just seems very lopsided so if we want to say that there is a value sometimes of of being more private of being quieter and I think there is and we have to know when that is a value when it's not and when it's just you know shutting off our personality which is not what Hashem wants us to do then we also have to apply that equally to men and say, when is it appropriate for men to, again, not be more private to, and we don't have that value anymore. I think we've lost a lot of that value. Like again, open up a magazine and it's gonna be like, you know, famous Jewish singer, every little detail about his life. And you know you know what I mean? It's like like this very sensational. Um, it's like we have no problem with like glamor shots of men. Like I'm thinking about like a exactly. concert poster, right? There's and and those ads look great and and the women performers among us who are performing in a very tense way you know only for female audiences and in restricted settings and and all of that so that they can you know like be from and you know practice their talents and everything they don't have that same advertising like they just don't have that same kind of pull in an ad because their faces are not there and like and yeah this 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 dichotomy of if it's a value then why is it not applied universally. Right. It's interesting food for thought. Yeah, I think like there are definitely like situations where things apply differently based on gender, just like in the practical applications. But this value and this idea of like what SNES is at its core, I think like we really need to, and that's what we're trying to do with the book is like reclaim that to bring that back. Like here's a value that we are we've lost sight of. And it's for men and women. Like I have had men reach out to me who read the book and said, I never knew that SNES applied to men. <laughs> like that's that's crazy. You know, here's so an important Jewish core, value. What do you think that that core value of Tzniyas is? So it's really hard to distill down. That's why I think everyone really needs to read the book. Um, it's very long. And I apologize in advance. You can read it in small, bite-sized little pieces. Um, but I will say me, this also. We've talked mm-hmm. a lot about the length. And I will admit that I'm a pretty fast reader. And it did take me a hot minute to get through. But it wasn't, it, it's not a drag. I have to, I have to give you a lot of credit for the fact that it does read 
pretty conversationally and it was very easy to follow. Okay, good. No, I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, I feel like that too, but you know, I'm, I'm biased. Yeah, um, yeah <laughs> I, I hear I, it. I think like it's hard to distill it down in like one minute. I literally give classes on this that are 45 minutes, an hour long. And even then I feel like I'm just scratching the surface. Um, but I say like in very, very short, we have this idea from Tanakh and from Chazal, you know, from much older sources um, about Sinias. And they talk about it, about it as both a mitzvah and a midah. And there's different aspects to it and different facets. But like, if I had to distill it down to like the most basic, I would say it involves privacy, dignity, self-respect, this internality, like focus on what's inner and our inner values and connecting to God in that way, like from this more um, internally focused place. So again, that's like very short way of saying it. And so how do, what does that look like for men? Because we are culturally used to using this word sneeze as just a, a, a description of how a woman is dressing, right? She is sneeze. She is not sneeze. Her knees right. are covered. She is sneeze in most communities. And some people it would be, you know, her knees are covered, but four inches below is showing she is not sneeze or, you know, something. Right. But let's just use for simplicity's sake. Her knees are covered. She is sneeze. Her knees are not covered. She is not sneeze. How does this idea of sneeze as an internality, as, you know, this self-respect, this privacy apply to men? So I think it very much applies to men, right? So like, let's say, um, you know, the idea of privacy, right? That applies to men and women. Like, how much do I share? Who do I share it with? Where do I share it? Like, let's say social media is a perfect example, right? You know, me and you both know, like, there are certain times we see something online and we're like, wow, that person crossed a line, right? Mm -hmm. You have this like visceral response, like, whoa, that was like TMI, right? Like they shared too much. This wasn't the appropriate setting, right? And so, you know, that to me is like a really practical example where we see this is like, and we we don't know necessarily because SNES is so personal and it's so internal. Like we don't necessarily know someone's, you know, intentions for why they shared it. But for us, like, you know, as individuals, we can think before we share something like, how much should I be sharing? Is this the right place to share it? Who do I share it with? Right. Um, you know, when do I share it? Like these are all things that are part of SNES is like that idea of like privacy and knowing where and when and what's appropriate. Um, and the idea of like internality and sneeze as a mitha, which again, I, I hope that makes sense because it's hard for me to explain in so short, but it's also this idea of doing things because they're right and doing things because that's what God wants and doing things because, um, we're connected to our inner values versus doing things because of what other people think and what are other people going to think if they see things. And it's, it's funny because we've kind of churned sneeze on its head because we made it all about like what you were just saying, like, well, what message does this skirt send like what image am I trying to project what do I want people to think about me based on my clothing choices right but like at its core group do I how from do I want them to think that I am based on what I'm wearing right like how am I identifying it's all like a a game you know and I've seen this get worse and worse as I've gotten older just like the the focus on superficiality the focus on like these little tiny details like, oh, if I wear my hair like this, or if I wear this type of clothing or this brand of like, what is it? What am I? It's almost like we're creating this personal brand of like, what are other people going to think? What are people, how are people going to like, what box are they going to put me in? Like you said, you know, and it's like the exact opposite. When we look at like the original sources about CNS, they're always talking about this very internal, um, most of the source they're talking about this mida, this mitzvah of like self-respect of dignity of privacy, things that we don't see in other people. Right. And if we're tapped into that medusness, we're not necess- we're not going to be focused on what everybody else is thinking. We're going to do what's right, right, regardless of 
what other people think about it. Um, and so it's just, it's, it's ironic that we've turned Sinaeus into like the most superficial aspect of our Judaism, when really it's like this very deep internal um, thought through thing that we're supposed to be struggling with, you know, throughout our life. And that's why it's funny you said like, well, you're either Sinaeus or you're not. And that's like another thing that I really bristle at because Sinaeus is not a checkbox because when you actually learn what Sinaeus is, you realize, and you, you read the book, so you, you know what I mean, but like, it's a struggle, right? Like, we're, it's not like, okay, well, now I dress Sinaeus, so now my life's journey is done. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, it's always a struggle. Like, how much do I share? Who do I share it with? Where do I go? Like, like all these decisions that we're making in life, you know, there's a overlap between that and Sinaeus. And Sinaeus is something that we can bring into all of our actions, right? And so I just think like, it's so ironic that we take it, we number one, you know, relate to it so superficially. And number two, it's like such almost like a checkbox of like, okay, I've got this, I'm done. Um, as if like you're 20 years old and now you're done growing in this area of your life. Like it's just, right. that's, that's my soapbox. <laughs> no, it's, it's a good soapbox to be on because the truth is also that Sneas gets caught in the limitations of the fact that it is visible. Exactly. There is like clothing while not the be all and end all is certainly an aspect of Sneas. And right. also clothing is is very visible. And the truth is, right. is that clothing is a marker of the type of person that you are, regardless of what community you're a part of, right? Like a politician right. dresses differently than a pop star, dresses differently than a police officer, dresses differently than a mailman. Like, and and that's not to say that any one of those are better or worse. They just, right. they have a certain look. And so Sneas gets stuck in the limitations of being so visible. I think the, the problem is when the community takes the visible part of it and makes that the be all and end all. Like that, if that becomes the most important aspect of your CS is how you look, as opposed to how you relate to the media of it, then that's when you end up falling into all these traps. Yeah. And I think like one of the things I'm just trying to do in my own, like my own head is like separate these two pieces out. Right. Because I do think clothing is connected to Sneas in the sense that it reflects a certain internality sometimes and a certain, you know, way of doing things. And it's almost like this privacy idea of like how much do we share with who, where, when, like, so there is a piece that clothing does connect to, but it seems like what the more I'm learning about it, it just seems like a small part of it. It doesn't seem like it's the whole thing, you know? But I think the other thing that you said is also true, which is that we live in a society that's very judgmental, that definitely is affected by how we look and how we present ourselves. And I think they're both true, right? Like meaning one is that SNES is way bigger than clothing and clothing is a small part of it, but is an important you know, piece too. And then the other piece is that, yes, we live in a superficial society that judges us and puts us in boxes and makes certain you know, snap decisions about what we're like based on our clothing. But I don't think that's SNES. Like, I don't think the second part is SNES, meaning like, I think it's important. Like, I think you and me, like, especially the the profession you're in, like, you know, the importance of first impressions and dressing a certain way and, you know, dressing for your, your body shape. I know you do a lot of work with that. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of this idea of like, how do you present yourself to the world is important. I just don't think it's SNES. I don't think that's what SNES mm -hmm. is. Like, I just don't think, like, I think when we equate it and we tell girls who are, you know, in that stage of development where they're questioning, you know, how, the, how do they want to dress? How do they want to present themselves to the world? And we say, this is all Tineas. And we make it like so restrictive on them and are uber focused on and getting them in anxious about like, well, what do you say? Like, what are you wearing? And what message does it send? And thinking about it all day long and making everything so much about their bodies. Like, it's almost like there's this book on, um, 
it's, it's like kind of like a, one of these intuitive eating health at every size books called um, You Are Not a Before Picture. I don't I've know heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great book. It's like a really good introduction to some of these topics. And one of the things she says in there is like, your body is the least interesting part of you. I agree with that. However, you can't but it's argue also that important. like Hilko Sneas does deal with what our clothing looks like. Like you can't argue that clothing is separate from Sneas. I, I think you can, because <laughs> I think like there there isn't really a Hilko Sneas. Like I, I know I know it sounds funny. I just wrote this whole book on Sneas, but people think like there's just like 500 halachos written down somewhere, like in the Shulchan Arach, and it's like Hilko Sneas, and here's all the laws. Like that's not actually how it shows up in Judaism. Like we have this idea of Sneas that pops up in all different places around like in Gemara and in Mishnah and in, and we have two, there's two references, at least two references to Sneas and Tanakh, or at least use that language of, of Sadin and I and Spirit Sneas. But none of those places are a list of rules. So we, we have a certain, certain, I guess, like- But we have like, derived a list of rules we've derived, that center around we've derived clothing. rules from different places, but it's not like, sorry, I lost my train of thought for a minute. No, but it's, go, go it's through, not this is great. Like, as clear cut as people think it is that like Sneas equals clothing. Like it's like, clothing is a one application of the idea of sneas but it's not like they're not they don't go together so that like 100 percent the way people think they do and that's why like in the book i actually went in and edited every time someone said something about sneas and clarified if it was talking about sneas clothing because i think like we use these words interchangeably like oh you're sneas you're not sneas this is like we use it so colloquially to talk about clothing but that's not the main part of it okay but but you can't argue that there are not, even if you don't want to call them tzniyas, let's say, you can't argue like there are halachos about how much of our bodies we need to cover with our clothes. Right. No, I agree with that for sure. I think there are, there are definitely some halachos about covering your body in certain ways. And by the way, there are halachos for men about that too. So people right. are realizing that. Yeah. Right. But, okay. So there are halachos about how much of our bodies we need to cover for men and women. And we, like you said, kind of colloquially refer to those halachos as sneas, but you're right. arguing that sneas is really the internality of it. And like, we should have a separate category, just like, I don't know, let's call it clothing halachos, like how to dress and call it something different that the fact that you, we use the same word. No, it can be, it can be called, it can be called, um, like it can definitely, you can use the word sneas. I just don't like when we get stuck on like, that's what sneas is as if like, that's the be all and end all of it. Does as opposed to sense? clothing being an aspect of sneas. An aspect. Exactly. Okay, that makes sense to me. Like, even in the book, like, there's a few pages that go through, like, literally in the entire book, which is very large. There's, like, maybe, like, six, seven pages that talk about, like, the specifics of clothing, right? Um, and then, there, other than the hair covering chapter, I'm pretty sure that's the only part that talks about, like, the specifics of clothing, which is pretty cool when you say, like, an entire book's on Sneas, and, like, it's not fixated on, like, specific things. But I think it is important to, you know, to talk about those as well, and that's why they're included. Um, but I just don't like when it's like we take those six or seven pages and we're like, okay, that's what SNES is. Right. Uh, and so I just think, you know, again, it's important to kind of clarify, well, where, what is the halachas? Where do they come from? Um, is it something that's objective? Because some a lot of halacha is objective, right? But then there's also a subjective piece too, which is community dependent. And so like there's a certain skirt, let's say, you know, if there's a certain skirt that in your community, that's pretty normal. People wear it. Um, it's not, a, it's not, it's not going against any objective, you know, halacha, but it's like subjective that in some communities it would be considered totally fine and respect, you know, respectable and dignified. And in other communities, it would be considered like very much not. 
And so there's that's another piece to the book too, which is talking about like how much does the community we live in um, have an impact on our behavior or on the choices we make and, and where does that fit in with halacha? So, you know, I think those are all like important conversations to have. And I think we do need to talk about the specifics, but I just don't um, want to get lost in that, if that makes sense. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I want to talk about a little bit of a different aspect of of CS and culture, which is that a lot of times we or I mean, I think that most people, if you ask them, like, why do we keep sneas? Women dress modestly so that men shall not sin, so that they shall not lust after you and all of that, you know, you know, all of that garbage that comes along with it. How does the book deal with that? How does the book talk about that? What is your feeling on, um, you know, that perspective? Yeah, so exactly what you said, like how you started that, you're like, well, the reason that we are sneas is so that men won't, you know, fill in the blank. Um, that's the problem, like the, that sentence, because we can talk for a minute about the men piece of it, but that's not why we keep SNES. And that that's the problem is when people kind of say, well, this is why we do certain things. That is not why we do it. That is not the basis for it. There's like a halachic basis for SNES. There's um, Torah sources for it. Rabbi Manning talks about in his section, the Torah source for SNES. So to say, and the Torah source has nothing to do with men lusting after women. Like that's just not the source. It's actually addressed to men. So that wouldn't make sense. Um, so that's not why we do SNES. And I think like that has created so many problems and so much like problematic messaging in our community is when we we say, and I've heard people say this, like I've heard, I've even heard a rabbi say it once. And there's literally no source that this is the reason we keep SNES. That being said, there is a concept of, um, not, you know, doing something specifically to get someone else to sin, right? Like not causing someone else to sin. That is a real concept in Judaism. Um, that's an important concept that in general, we don't want to do something that will cause someone else to sin, right? And so Rabbi Manning addresses that in his section of the book, and he just includes it in a list of being Adam Mechavero, right? So it's both between, you know, man and his fellow man, um, you know, that this is a component, this is a piece of being a thoughtful person. So this falls under the don't be a butthead category of things. Well, that's not the language that he uses, but yes. Rabbi <laughs> Rifke like, says, don't be a butthead. <laughs> it's like, there's just a certain level of respect that we're trying to create in our communities. Men, men need to do this for women also, right? Like there's a certain level of respect that you don't just go out, you know, again, wearing something completely inappropriate, um, both for men and for women, because we're creating a respectful society, you know, where we all are looking out for each other. And so that is a piece to Tzniyas, but to say that that is the be all end all or the reason for it or the main part of it, like all, none of that is true. Like there's, there's no, there are no sources that seem to indicate, at least that I've seen, um, that seem to indicate that that is the reason for why we do what we do. It's just another sensitivity that we should have. Um, in the way we do things is like thinking, well, if I do this, is it going to be, um, is it something that will be, again, disrespectful to other people? Is it something, um, you know, and this is, this is more like an extreme situation. This is not like every day when you get dressed, you know, right. This, this shouldn't be something we're teaching teenagers every day that they need to be like hyper-focused and what are other people going to think and what are men going to think and what, are, right? Like, that's not how we use this. This is, again, this is why the book's written for adults, because it takes like a maturity to be able to come to that conclusion, like that yes, I'm doing what I'm doing, what I'm doing because the right thing to do. At the same time, like there is a certain sensitivity to other people around me, you know, and that's the same reason why when you, um, like we were talking earlier, is like different communities have different standards that they do, right? It's like, I just heard a, a story from someone, he, he actually just shared it with me, I think it was yesterday, two days ago. He said that he had a Hasidish 
I hope I'm not messing up the details, but he had a Hasidish uh, family staying with him that was getting medical treatment in the States, and they were from Yerushalayim. And the person who, who um, the father of the family, he was a Yerushalmi Hasid, and he used to wear this special gold um, bekesha yeah. on yeah. Shabbat. And he said, he, and, but when he came to the States, he always wore a black bekesha. Because that's what and people wear here. He, mentioned to his host, yeah, as soon as I found out that I was going to the States for treatment, I bought a black Bekisha because I don't need to be that. I don't need to stand out. I need to, you know, there's a part of, of Sinias that has to do with understanding the community sensitivities and being sensitive to that. So I'm still going to wear my Bekisha, but I'm not going to wear the one that's like very colorful because that I'd be the only person in the entire community wearing that, right? So like there's a certain sensitivity to the community that we're in. And so I think that's a very mature thing. Like I wouldn't expect necessarily a young teen to understand that idea of like, Yes, there's a concept of also being sensitive and socially aware and understanding like what's going on around you in the community that you live in, or you might be wearing something that's totally fine in the community that you live in or doing something that's completely fine, but then you go somewhere else and you might tone it down a little bit because of right. sensitivity to that community. Um, and right. so that's I think that was something that I found particularly yeah. right, something that I found particularly interesting about this aspect of the um, of the halacha section of your book is that all of the and I. I, I will admit to have not studying a lot of these sources in depth, you know, over the course of my life for a lot of these sources, this was the first time that I was seeing them kind of inside. Mm -hmm. And all of the sources that talk about, like, it's usually around brachos, right? Like if a man has, is in a situation where there is a Nazi-ist woman around, you know, what brachos is he allowed to say? Should he be looking at her? Should he not be looking at her? Like, and, and everything around that. What I found so interesting and what Rabbi Manning points out is that a lot of these book, a lot of these sources are talking about the responsibility of a man if there happens to be an uncovered woman around they're not and then and then other people extrapolate yeah so jewish women should be covered but you know to kind of avoid these uh mm -hmm. questions i guess but or to be the, sensitive to like the people right, around exactly it's exactly what you're saying like to be sensitive but but they're not like the the real sources inside are not talking about the obligation of the woman to be covered they're talking about what the man should do in those situations. It's the obligation of the man in his making brachos and how that affects it. Exactly. And 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 kind of like in those conversations, I, I know I keep like harping on this, but this is really like one of the things with the book is showing how Sneas is for men and women. Right. Is it also talks about what men can have. Like if a man's in front of another man who's uncovered, like he can't right. either say brachos, right? Or there's other things that, you know, like I think with children or or like if different things where they can't say brachos. So again, it's it's for men with men, men with women, women with men, women with other women, like these, 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 these halachos don't discriminate in that way, although some of the practical applications are different as far as like what's considered covered, what's considered uncovered for a man versus a woman. But it is important to know that like these conversations are talking about in a time where someone is involved in Torah or tefillah, you know, what, what is considered appropriate um, for them, to, like you said, for themselves, not for the people who are around them, but for themselves to say those, those um, blessings, right? So just an important, you know, nuance. There. Right. And the other thing that, that you touched on just now is that I think, you know, we see this a lot. And this is also something that you talk about in the book is that in our pursuit of perfect sneeze, we end up with hypersexualization mm -hmm. because it's like you are, you know, the message that ends up getting conveyed to the girls are you are this powerful sexual object that no man can resist. And the, and the message that gets conveyed to the men or to the boys really is you are like you are all pigs. I was definitely told as a kid, like men are pigs, you need to cover up. Like that was definitely something that mm -hmm. I 
I don't know, kid would be strong, but whatever. That was definitely something that I absorbed um, either explicitly or implicitly. I'm not even quite sure. Mm -hmm. But then you're telling, think about what that means for your boys, what you're telling them, like, oh, you can't possibly control these impulses. So therefore you need to be in an environment that is devoid of anything that is potentially, you know, potentially not serious. And in that way, you end up hypersexualizing a face, you know, a knee, an elbow, which creates this very distorted just a view of sexuality and of and of women in general right yeah and I think a lot of times when we do things in a way that's reactive it has these long-term consequences right and so like a lot of the things that we call tzniyas nowadays whether or not they're grounded in any sort of halacha you know like the women's pictures issue things like that they're, they're done as a reaction you know in parts of society it's like we're trying to react to you know to the fact that the society is going so much to the other extreme so now we're going to go to this extreme and anytime you're acting from a place that's reactive a lot of times there's these long-term consequences that aren't really taken into account because they're not thought through and i think that's one of those things where we see this where sometimes we're doing something with the most positive of intentions um but it's as a reaction to something and it's being done in a certain way that again i i could be wrong maybe sometimes they are thought through and i'm i'm missing that but a lot of times it seems like it's just like you know automatic response to something that we don't like or makes us uncomfortable and we're shutting down certain things and like you said it makes the problem worse because we're hypersexualizing things instead of you know keeping what you know I, I think a lot of it has to do with also like when we put so many extra senses right like sometimes that creates issues sometimes it's a, a personal sensitivity that I'm choosing to take on you know something more than what I'm I'm normally doing or um, a man might take on a certain sensitivity. He's not going to look at certain things or read certain things or whatever it is. But when it becomes a communal wide like ban on on certain things across the board, we do sometimes see these negative consequences that emerge from that. Yeah, I hear that. I could definitely hear how that could happen. The book is Reclaiming Dignity, a guide to sneers for men and women. Um, it is co-authored by yourself, Bracha Polakoff, and Rabbi Anthony Manning, who did the halachic analysis if somebody wants to get the book learn more about you be in touch with you where can they go bracha okay so the best way to get in touch with us is through our website reclaimingdignity.com and um, the book is available in all jewish bookstores that i know of um, as well as amazon on mosaic press's website uh, feldheim and we're going to link all of that in the show notes so that everybody can um, get access to it. I can I can say that this is a serious book that I fully endorse, that I have no problem having it in my house, that I have no problem having, um, you know, people know that that I uh, ascribe to. And those are words that I genuinely never thought would come out of my mouth. So thank you very much. I'm Bravo. surprised too. <laughs> thank I, you. Yeah, it's- uh, That's like it's, the best compliment. Thank you. There's really, <laughs> really, I can I tell you something also just before we finish off? So I started reading it and I was kind of liking it. And the more I read it and the more I liked it, the more I got a little bit annoyed. Like the more annoyed I got because I was like, first of all, I was like, great. Now I have to read the whole thing, which I enjoyed. So it wasn't the biggest deal, but I was like, now I'm going to have to read the whole thing. And I'm going to have to like say that there's a good sneeze book out there. And I, and like, and that's going to take me a minute to get over because right, there's right. because like you know like we started off there's such this negative association with it um so were you when you were reading it like just curious because this is how how i feel like when you were reading it were you kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop the whole time like the she's entire gonna say time something, they're gonna oh. say something that i'm really gonna disagree with and then i'm gonna be really upset because i kind of hit it in this book somewhere and, and oh that's how i was waiting for the other shoe to book. drop and i wanted it to drop <laughs> 
I right. wanted it to drop. I was like, I just need, I just need her to mess up. It's like, yeah. I just need her to mess up because then I don't have to rethink any of my beliefs about what CS education is. And I can just go back to like doing everything how I've done it before. Like I was, I was excited for the other shoe to drop and, you, and, and it was there the whole, and it was, and like, even especially when it got to like hair covering, which is something that I personally struggle with, you know, yeah. quite a bit. And like, and so when I'm reading through all that, I'm like, darn it he did it like he you know and just like the way that everything was framed I was like yeah this is it, it was just it was just very well done everything about it was very well done and yes I was waiting for the other shoe to drop and I, I was a little bit annoyed when it didn't yeah but, uh, no, I, I relate that's why I was asking I, annoyed I in that. all the best ways yeah, yeah thank you <laughs> uh to end off Bracha where do you think you've had the most impact in your life in my whole life that's a hard one um I don't know I've, I've done a lot of different things over the years I think this book has been in some ways, like the biggest project I've taken on. Um, and I think like the, the, the biggest, I guess the biggest impact for me in general, and then in my own life is when people find this like intersection between like the needs in the world and the needs in their community um, mm. and their, their own strengths, like their unique strengths and their unique skills. And I think for me, like this book was kind of the culmination of that was like, here was a problem that I've been seeing in the world for many, many years. And figuring out how to, how, how can me as just like a regular person, but with, you know, my own, my own strengths, you know, how could I make a difference? And that was very powerful. And thank God we're seeing a lot of like really positive ripple effects and, and positivity coming out of the book. So. I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you so much for coming on today, Bracha. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Bracha, her links are in the show notes. On last week's episode, I spoke with Jenny Goldfarb about the process of creating her unreal deli. Listen to it wherever you're hearing this one. The Be Impactful podcast is a project of impact fashion, the clothing line I created because I believe that we are all deserving of the beautiful things life has to offer. See my modest designs that are available in sizes 2 through 28 by going to impactfashionnyc.com. Access all of that by swiping up on the cover art. There are currently 19 people listed by Oragunot as a recalcitrant party. View their names, photos, locations, and details of their cases by visiting getorg slash recalcitrant-parties. The episode art was designed by Michelle Moses, original music composed by Nisa Fetman. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Gitsquits. Catch me on all the socials, including TikTok at impact.fashion.myc. As always, here's to making an impact together.